The Theonauts, episode 94. The one where Jeremiah doesn't get to think of something weird to say. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you peacekeepers out there. I'm David Gaddy. And I'm Jack Neal. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Minus one. <laughs> yes, we are. We have a surrogate Jeremiah in the <laughs> studio. Young yeah. Jack Neal. You're, well, you're not the last of the Neal brood to be on the show. No. But you're close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, you guys have accredited some of the things I've said to Riley a few times on here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun for me listening. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah. And it, it, what was funny was uh, I told Jeremiah, I said, yeah, we, what we should do is get Landry. I had a jack just to rub him wrong. That'd be really interesting. <laughs> but we didn't do that. Uh, that Landry's his little sister. So. <laughs> yeah, she'd be really good in the debate portion on some of these. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So Jack, you're getting ready to graduate high school. Yep. So yeah, it's coming really fast. So what what are your plans? What are your immediate plans? Well. um, I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to Annapolis. I'm going to the Naval Academy, which is quite a bit different from traditional college. So I'm, I'm just doing a lot to prepare for that and like the physical and the mental aspects of that, I guess, and enjoying the time here while I have it. Awesome. So, uh, so are you still planning on being an astronaut? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that'd be great if I could. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's always a cool dream, isn't it? So yeah. But uh, anyway, so um, I told Jack to uh, kind of pick the topic. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of to uh, to just help him, you know, and discuss the 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 thought that he came up with. So you mm-hmm. ready to dive into this? Yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. All right, so we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So we've actually talked a little bit uh, of this about some of this before. Uh, we did the Beatitudes in one uh, episode, but now we're mm-hmm. going to broaden out and look at the entire sermon. And so any initial thoughts on this particular sermon and what it's all about? It seems like... It seems to me like it would come as quite a shock to all the people who are hearing it because a lot of this is like going completely against what, you know, some of the Jews' customs, and it seems like it would completely blow their minds a little bit at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is um, it is one of, it's actually the first recorded discourse that, that Jesus gives us in the, in the gospel uh, writings. Um, some people think that it is the exact same one as the Sermon on the Plain from the book of Luke, uh, because there are some similar things in there. Um, and some people believe that, well, no, they're not the same event. Uh, it's just similar teachings that, you know, any of us who have given sermons, Uh we use the same type of content in a lot of our discussions. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. our little things that we talk about. That's true. And so it's 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 not unlikely that uh, Jesus could have given a second sermon with a lot of the same content. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, it's caught kind of up in in the air. There's two thoughts about that. Actually, there's a third thought about it, which I don't ascribe to. What's that? The, the third thought is that n- neither one was an actual sermon, but that uh, Matthew and Luke both collected ideas that Jesus taught over time. <laughs> And put it into a narrative. Um, Problem I've got with that is both writers talk about what led up to the event. Yeah. Like he went up into the mountain. Yeah, they say that he was on the mountain and then he started talking about that. So it'd basically be like 
disproving the inerrancy of the Bible almost. Yeah, it'd be, you know, for more on that, check with our last episode. <laughs> So yeah, it would it would make the the gospel writers uh, somewhat disingenuous in their storytelling uh-huh. of, of of their account. But um, so I, I really don't think that's what the case. I really think that it, it is either um, two different guys listening to the same sermon and picking up the points that each one of them felt was the mo- was the best to to convey, or uh, it's two different sermons with a lot of the same, same content. Teaching, yeah. Um, and so it could be could be either one, and ultimately it doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the 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 gospels are meant to harmonize one with the other, and not necessarily yeah. u- be unified. It's not like singing in unison; it's like singing in harmony. So we get different sides of the story from different um, witnesses, and that's that's always um, a cool thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, what's the first point we want to dive into? Um, that you have there. Um, I guess we should go ahead and start off with the Beatitudes since they're first. Okay. Um, do we want to, you want to just read those, read through those right quick? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm in the Holman. <clears throat> um, let's see here. The poor in spirit are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for, the, for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Awesome. Okay, so um, there's a lot in those first, yeah, you know, 11, 12 verses, a uh, lot of content, and uh, and I, I, often a misunderstood or or just not understood um, concepts and what Jesus kicks this thing off with. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, um, as I was doing some studying, I've I heard a lot about this theory about like not really theory, but kind of connection between the Sermon on the Mount and Moses. And how Christ is kind of representing the new Moses here, starting from the mountain, um, which kind of echoes, you know, Exodus 20 and 21 and all those where he, God gives like the law. Right. And um, so it's kind of kind of a similar deal, you know, where Jesus goes up on the mountain to teach people. And I've heard some some stuff about the poor in spirit being like um, the poor that Psalms talks a lot about, you know, how um, those who just rely on God for everything and rely on him for, you know, their, their heart and just, you know, what all they are. Right. Right. And that's actually, uh, kind of the same thing that I had, had come to on this understanding of the poor in spirit, uh, that is referring to in, in contradiction to those who are, um, boastful, uh, or, or seemingly religious. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, Jesus had a lot to say about the Pharisees and and their <laughs> self righteousness and their hypocrisy. And poor in spirit would be kind of the 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 ad the inverse of self righteous. Yeah, and that that'll go in really well with chapter six because that's all what chapter six talks about is religious hypocrisy, like almost the whole chapter. Yeah. So, anything else on the beatitudes there? Um. I think that's that's some of the main stuff I had. Okay, uh, one of the things that we talked about before in the Beatitudes is that this term "blessed" um, is is often thought of as like, well, God's given you this gift of being poor in spirit, you know, or that uh, that that He's going to bless you for being for mourning. He's going to bless you for being meek. He's going to bless you, and, and yeah. it, actually, going back to the original language, that term "blessed" really simply means happy. Really? So it's about being joyful um, in it. So it's it, so it's not like uh, do this and you get that. He's, uh-huh. It's not like this promise to that you're. Uh, but it's that happy is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It, they have it already. It's not like it's going to be the gift that you get for being poor in spirit. That's going to be hmm. what you have if you are poor in spirit, and so therefore you're happy. And, That's interesting. And so it's really weird to say happy are those who mourn, but the re- what's the reason why you're happy? Uh-huh. Because you're being comforted. 
and you find comfort there and you find happiness there. And it's really easy to turn these into like self-righteous works because, you know, oh, if you do this, then you're going to get, you know, to see God. If you, if you do this, you're going to get to be called a son of God. Whenever it's kind of missing the point on that a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's more like you said, like, this is how you find fulfillment in Christ. It's right. not a list of like do's and then you'll get this. Right. Kind of. All right. So he's, he kind of divides up his thoughts here um, in different ways. Um, the first thing he does here in chapter five is he starts talking about um, the fulfilling of the law. Mm-hmm. And so did you have anything on that or did you want to, or salt and light, you want to talk about that or anything? On like, um, talking about like fulfilling the law, like 17 through 20. Yes. That type yes. Thing. That's a really interesting passage because there's, there's a few things that you can really take out of context in that one. Very much so. Yes. Um, I know for me that the verse that always used to confuse me in there is, uh, let me see if I can find it. It's, um, for I assure you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. And so it's kind of, um, wait, was that the one? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think it is. Whoever relaxes one of these, the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so. Uh, so it's, it's, it gets you thinking like, does that mean we still have to follow the law? Does that mean what I thought we were supposed to be free in the law, from the law in Christ, you know? And so it's really easy to get kind of confused about that. But, um, one thing Raleigh pointed out to me, he said like, um, I don't know if exactly this would be, you know, the perfect translation or, or way to interpret this or anything, but he said like, you know, Christ accomplished all things on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so that's one way to think about that. Yes, and I think that that is kind of what he is saying. Putting this into, and it's always important to know the context of what he's saying. He's introducing what he's about to talk about. He's about to talk about the old law, and he's about to talk about what it says and how the people of the day were interpreting it, and then expound upon it his own interpretation. Yeah. Um, so he kicks that off with this statement, and it's a disclaimer. He's saying, look, I'm not doing away with your law. I'm not, I, the law is not going anywhere. It's going to exist. The difference is I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm not uh-huh. here to get rid of it. I'm here to fulfill it. Now, if you think about what fulfillment means, if I owe a mortgage and someone comes along and fulfills my mortgage for me, well, the mortgage still exists. It still got paid. It still, it still happened. The bank still has the, has that on record. They got their money. It just didn't come from me. It came from whoever was paying my debt. So uh-huh. same thing here. The law still exists. Jesus fulfilled it for us, so we don't have to uh, continue to fulfill it. And um, so, and he talks about the, these commandments. What he's saying here is that the commandments aren't going away. They have meaning. There is, there is mm-hmm. the will of God in, underneath these commandments, and they still exist. I'm doing them all. Yeah, and he points out like the, you know how the heart of the matter, and like that's what's really important. It's like the message behind it, and he's kind of going against like what they typically think is the commandment, but he's actually fulfilling you know what God actually intended by it. Right, and one thing I think is important to notice is that in these passages that are coming up, Jesus isn't adding to the law; he's not creating a new law. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is saying, "Look, this is how you heard it." But here's what it meant. Here's what he, in John 14, he says, I give you a new commandment, but it's not a new commandment. <laughs> Love one another. And, and so, and so fulfill the law. And we hear that many times. Uh, Paul says it in Romans chapter uh, 13. He says, Love is the fulfilling of the law. Uh, Paul also says it in Galatians 5. When he says that uh, the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So love is the fulfilling of the law. So it's cool that Uh Jesus is saying, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill Fulfill it. it. How's he doing it? Through love. By loving people. And and the cross. And the love took him to the cross to to actually um, seal the deal. So anyway, he's like you said, these are going to be issues of the heart. Yeah. Which is which is about loving, loving one another. Because as Paul uh, exclaimed there in Romans thirteen, if you love your neighbor, you won't commit adultery, you won't commit murder, you won't. Those are products of love anyway. 
So mm-hmm. uh, l- let's continue on in here. Um, do you have anything specifically concerning um, th- these this reiteration of the law that he does? I would have liked to see the looks on their faces when he said, unless you're righteous, more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees, <laughs> you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that would have messed them up. <laughs> because, it, and, and that's hard, part of the point, and part of what he was saying there in those Beatitudes as well is, is this whole thing about not being self-righteous, but being meek and being humble and being poor in spirit. And, um, and so he's going after... Um, this because they were righteous on the outside, like they appeared righteous, uh-huh. but they they didn't get the heart of the matter. Like the rich young ruler. Yes, yes. So he talks about anger here, um, and talks about um, you know that you were told before, you know, thou shalt not kill. But I got something better than that. <laughs> and what he was saying was the implication of thou shalt not kill is you should love your 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 enemies you should yeah, love everybody don't hate them right and and of course then he says you know basically if you are angry with them um it says you know depending on the translation you're looking at is without cause or whatever if you're frivolously if you're just an angry person or whatever you're anger angry at, at people and lash out at them then uh you are not fulfilling the law because you're not there's not love in your heart there uh-huh all right so, of course, he does the same thing with adultery. He takes it mm-hmm. down to the base of adultery, which is lust. Yeah, that one will strike fear into the hearts of every single guy on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> right, because, and, you know, and I've thought about this, too. I've thought about, you know, Jesus was sinless. And I, often, yeah. as a man, I think, how, dude? How did how you? How is that possible? <laughs> You know, especially hanging out with the prostitutes and whatever. Yeah. It was like, what? You didn't even have a thought. You didn't even really go there. Um, and which, you know, that just kind of shows us how much we need him. Yeah. <laughs> how important it is. Yeah. So uh, he ma- he addresses divorce. Um, and, y- you know, there's a lot of things that I think people, um, they overread some of this stuff. Um, it, what what he's talking about is is like... You have found a way to get around the law. That's really what he's saying. He's saying, look, you're cool with yourselves as long as you're not actually killing somebody. Okay, but that's not the intent of the law. You're cool as long as you're not actually committing adultery. And, but that's not the the, the point of the law. And he says, Uh and you're cool with just simply divorcing someone frivolously. But that's not the heart of the law. Yeah, God wants more from you than that. Yes. So, and of course, you know, it's about, you know, being committed, um, saying what you mean, meaning what you say. He's got all this stuff about oaths in there. Yeah. They're trying to get by with just the bare minimum amount that they could and then do whatever they wanted, really. Yeah. As long as they had a loophole. And that's kind of what the, where legalism takes you. <laughs> yeah. Is you get to the place where it's like, okay, well, I didn't actually break that law. You know, but you know that you te- you really did. <laughs> yeah, but deep down you did because you intended it, and you and and the whole oath thing. It's like I've heard people get really legalistic about this, which <laughs> is funny because Jesus is preaching against legalism in this. If you really want to get down to it, because he's saying, look, it's not a checklist of things. You do. it's about changing your heart so that you love people in a way that you're not inclined to the disobedience of the of these laws. Yeah, and so. Oaths here um, is about telling the truth is what it's about. It's a it, but what was happening was people found loopholes. They could be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I can make an oath to this, and it really doesn't mean anything. But if I make an oath to that, well, then I really do have to tell the truth, you know. And so he's like, you know, don't 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 just be frivolously making oaths on things because that you can't control. Um, Instead, you should just say, uh-huh. let your yes be yes, yes and your no be no. It simply just means be truthful. Yeah, stick to your word. Yeah, what comes out of your mouth, we should be able to trust it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it and it's not about, you know, I've seen people, like they would not, um, you know, uh, uh, join a certain group, like a firefighter or whatever, because they had to actually raise their hand and swear an oath. 
Well, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying oaths themselves are bad. What he's saying is you shouldn't have to swear on something for people to believe you. Yeah, it's like you should be trustworthy enough to where, you know, whenever you make a promise, people will believe it. And it's about like that lifestyle that you have to live and, you know, um, just treating people like, you know, they know what you're going to say. They know you're not going to, you know, go back on your word or anything. Yeah. All right. So uh, what about the, the next part here? Second mile. Yeah, yeah. This one's this one's pretty tough to be to act out actually a lot of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times, um, whenever stuff like this happens, you know, whenever someone you know slaps you on your right cheek, whenever someone sues you, our first response isn't, "Oh, hey, uh, I'm gonna be nice to you. I'm gonna give you my coat too." Our first <laughs> response is like, "Dude, what the heck?" You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Why'd yeah, you do that? You just want a knee jerk reaction is to hit them back. You know? Uh huh. And it's, it's crazy because, like, this whole little section is just Jesus going completely against, like, what all we think and what all our typical response would be to do to something, which, mm-hmm. is, which is crazy. Yeah, he's, what he's, he's doing is he's bringing in this, this concept of godly love, this agape, and, uh-huh. what, and what it really means. And where it takes you, it takes you to unnatural places. Mm-hmm. And where, whereas our natural tendency is to do... Uh, exactly the opposite, but he's telling us, no, look, if you, if you have to, this is a willing love that I'm talking about. Uh You have to, you have to think about it. It's conscious. You have to, yeah, you have to think about it. You have to be ready for it and, you know, prepare almost. Yeah. And of course, I've I've also heard other things about this particular passage that Jesus wasn't completely um, passive, but this is also passive aggressive. So, so there, there is a there is a method to what he's saying here that 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 ties into their culture a little bit. So, for example, this whole idea of uh, slapping. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Well, if I was going to slap you on your right cheek, um, that would be a backhanded slap for me if I'm right-handed, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, which in their culture. A backhanded slap is what you would do to someone who is subservient, like someone who is lower than you. Hmm. And remember, he's the, part of the underlying message here is self righteousness. Yeah. So if I so if I slap you backhanded, that in their culture was an insult, not just a abuse, but yeah. it was insult. However, to slap you on the left cheek, if I'm right handed. I now have to do it open palmed, right? I mean, I have to come across this way. That mm-hmm. sent a different message in their culture. That meant that's how you would fight an equal is an open-handed slap, you know. And so, uh-huh. uh, so the point is being here. All not only are you being passive, but you're also saying, "Fight me like an equal." <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> So yeah, and, and every one of these is like that. The thing about the the tunic, um, if anyone takes your outer cloak, then give him your inner one as well. Well, if you take off your inner cloak, you're naked. Yeah, <laughs> that was a shameful thing to be in the presence of someone that was naked. So it was a shameful. So so oh, okay, you want that? Well, here, just go ahead and make me naked, and that would be embarrassing to the person taking it and make them feel guilty um, about it, maybe. Right, and then the thing about going a mile was a Roman thing. The Roman centurions, under the law, could compel you to carry their pack. Uh-huh, and to a go, whole mile. Right, and, and you could go a mile, but you couldn't go more than a mile. Otherwise, I mean, you were breaking the law as a centurion. You couldn't, you couldn't ask someone to carry the, your pack for more than a mile. So mm. by saying, go with them too, it's, you're making them break their own law. Yeah. <laughs> by doing I hope someone it. doesn't see them. Yeah. So, uh, so it is passive, but it's also with purpose to to teach a lesson. To actually, uh, to, it's wise, and that's, that's cool. what Jesus constantly was doing in his when he, like the whole writing in the dirt and then standing up and saying, "Whoever was without sin, throw the first stone at this woman." That type of thing is just a wise way of teaching at, in a passive way. Uh-huh. <clears throat> So he he goes from there to obviously to the love your enemies thing. Yeah, this is um, this is one of my favorite passages because it says, um, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's just that's like basically the fulfillment of that love that we've been talking about. You know, the love that 
is like the purpose of the law and fulfills the law. So like loving people who are just completely against you and completely persecuting you, that's that's the kind of love that'll get people to notice like, hey, this this guy's for real, you know. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, definitely. That's and that's uh th- you know, going back to you know what we were saying before, that is a willing thing. You have to to force yourself to do that. Uh, people that you just don't like, you have to love them anyway. And uh, so, and that that's hard to do. There's some people are just really hard to love. <laughs> yeah. And I like the part that he includes about like, um, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Because, you know, a lot of times we want to say, oh, it's because I did this, that this is happening to me. But, you know, you know, God causes his, the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, like, it's not like favoritism or anything. Yeah, it's not like uh, Job's friends thought it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like, well, you do good things, God treats you well, uh, prosperity gospel, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on prosperity gospel. We'll be here for another so, hour or so. <laughs> so, um, so, so one of the things there that is also can be confusing is the last uh, verse of that chapter where it talks about being perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, we in our English language, when we hear this word perfect, what do we think of? We think of like sinless. Yeah, basically. flawless. Yeah. And obviously that is not something we can do. We just talked about how we can't even imagine how Jesus went through a day yeah, <laughs> with much less his whole life. Um, so, so any thoughts about what he means by perfection here? I think the key is kind of in the last half of the verse. Uh, it says, as your heavenly father is perfect. You know, it's pretty obvious that God's perfect. So like the thing is, it's not exactly, you know, you have to be completely sinless. You know, you have to be completely perfect. It's you need to be like God. You need to be like Christ. You need to be striving for that perfection. Yes. Yes. And and it's also good to note that that the word that is often translated as perfect here also m- means complete. Ooh, that's cool. And, and so that's so primarily when you look at it in in those terms, he's saying be complete. And how are, how are you completed? You're completed through through Jesus. Uh-huh. And which he says as your heavenly father is complete. So your completeness comes from him. And so yes, our goal is to be in our terms perfect. That is what we want to do. So we strive therefore to be that way. Uh uh-huh. but as long as we're complete in him, then we're going to be righteous in his in, in his eyes because we because of Jesus's righteousness. It's good stuff. All right, chapter 6. Chapter 6 is more of uh, condemning the scribes and Pharisees even worse. <laughs> it's talking about all the stuff that they do in the streets. And- mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, again, it's all about um, why you do the things you do. Not just what you do, but why are you doing them? Why are you, why are you obeying these laws? Is it simply for the reward that comes from the obedience or is there something under underneath that? Um, yeah. So, so the first thing he talks about there is giving, giving, um, and you know it's it's almost like he's talking about being an anonymous giver here in some way. Um, just so, and it doesn't mean. That, and once again, people can take this too too far and be legalistic about it and say, well, you can't write checks to your church because then you're not <laughs> anonymous. Um, no, that's not really what it's saying. It's just about being um, uh, boastful in it. That yeah, you're not, you're not you're not giving so that people will see how good you are. Yeah, and it's also talking about yourself because like it's really easy to become you know worked up in yourself whenever you say, "Oh, I gave to the poor." He's saying, "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing." You know, you don't need to be thinking about this. Try to try to just put it out of your mind and just do the work that God has laid out for you. Yes, very good. And then he talks about prayer, um, kind of the same concept uh, mm-hmm. in prayer. And uh, it, it, I think it's kind of funny because uh, we have here what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, uh, where he gives us an example of how to pray. Uh, but what's funny is that people have memorized this, and they just 
pray it. They just pray that, <laughs> not like it, like he was saying. Right. So it's almost like um, in verse seven, he says, "When you pray, do not him do not heap up empty phrases." <laughs> <laughs> it's doing that exact same thing. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you mean every word when you say it, but when you've memorized something and you say it over and over and over and over and over again. It just becomes commonplace. Yeah, you tend to lose a lot of the heart in it. Uh, I'm not saying it's, that it's possible to do. I'm just saying it's unlikely. It's more. It's it, uh, it, it's it's easy to fall back into the the groove. Yeah, and just say those words and be done with it, rather than actually falling on your face toward God and pouring out your heart. Simple, concise. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Get out. <laughs> get in, get out. It's not. It, it doesn't have to be uh, some long, elaborate, showy thing. And uh-huh. that's his whole point. And a lot of the problem with the like the Pharisees in this chapter is that they were doing all this stuff just for themselves. And like the reality is, we're supposed to be doing it for God, and that's our main focus. And whenever we start focusing on ourselves, then we start heaping up these prayers in front of people. We start, you know, can you know, <laughs> just. Yeah, well, like he says there, they have the reward. And he says that several times whenever he's referring to the ones that are doing it for show. He's like, they've got the reward, and that is the recognition. They're getting what they're what they're wanting yeah. out of the deal. Uh, but but the real reward is deeper and bigger than that. And so it needs to be about you and God, uh, especially in these particular things that he brings up, uh, prayer and fasting and uh alms and and taking care of the poor and and that sort of stuff um and then that leads right into this whole thing about laying up treasure in heaven uh-huh so any thoughts on on that whole thing that was our um that was our theme verse for like the first camp where we went with with jeremiah i think oh yeah the, don't collect for yourselves treasure on earth mm-hmm. that whole thing <laughs> yeah I, I i think that it's um um the the it, Part of what we can get misconstrued here is that we're we're that the whole goal is is treasures, yeah, <laughs> and it's not necessarily physical treasures that we're talking about in heaven, um, but it's but it's talking just about uh, primarily love and relationship with the Father. That's that's the real treasure, um, and that exists in the heavens and in in heaven, and yeah. so um, and that carries on over into chapter seven too. There's a We'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, it, um, it, it's talking about here just being. It goes back to the heart, and a lot of people, you know, they they miss the the, the point that um, uh, Christians shouldn't shouldn't rely on their heart at all because uh, the heart the is heart full is of iniquity. Full above all exactly. things. Exactly. Everyone wants to go to the was yeah. it, Jeremiah <laughs> verse, uh, and and it's like okay, well that is true until it's changed. By Christ, mm-hmm. that, and and then it becomes a a, new our heart. purpose. And so, when he keeps talking about this, the heart is important in here because it's your purpose. It's what you're 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 aiming at. And so that's what he says there in verse twenty one: "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be." Uh huh. So if, so if you're tr- if you're if you're focused on the earth, then yeah, don't lean on that heart because the heart is deceitful. <laughs> but if your focus is in heaven then that is where your heart will be. Yeah, I think that kind of reminds me of something from like the great divorce where like, I think he said something about, you know, you'll you'll get what you desire if you desire the world or if you desire Christ, you know, if that's what you're really wanting, you're, you're probably going to get it. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I heard a, a interesting thing, kind of like um, what we do here with our treasures and how we use those, the things that, that we've been stewards of, uh, that how much importance do we put on it when it's really like an exchange rate? We're going to another country, and you have to exchange that. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you're not going to be able to take it with you, and yeah. and so that's a big part of the um, the thing. And of course, he ends that whole passage there with "You cannot serve God and money." Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, and of course, you know everyone wants to to also focus on this whole thing that um, you know that that. Um, you can't serve two masters. That um, you will hate the one, and love the other. That there's there is this this divide there, um, and so you have to focus on on the one that you, that um, 
you have to focus on one or the other uh, and and strive. It doesn't mean that having money is bad. It just means that that shouldn't be your goal. Yeah, that's not your idol that you're <clears throat> following after. Yeah. And of course, this also then leads into the don't be anxious stuff um, because we're relying on God. Um, yeah. Anything in there about the about Sol- being like Solomon uh, being arrayed like the lilies of the field and all that stuff? <laughs> that's a pretty majestic verse right there. Um, this is just pretty good for, um, I don't know, just whenever you're in a tough time or it's, it's just nice to think about how, you know, everything's not in our hands. And that's part of like what, like the freedom that entails from like being a Christian is that, you know, we don't have to worry about our life. You know, God, God, everything's in God's hands, basically. Yes. Yes. And that's the whole point is not to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are things in here that people, once again, you start pulling verses out without reading what the point is. Uh, we miss some of the stuff. Uh, there are people that, I mean, this is, can feed right into that whole prosperity gospel thing. Uh, you know, where it says, um, um, you know, ask and it shall be given to you, knock and it shall be opened <laughs> unto you. And and those types, and you know, seek ye first the kingdom of, of heaven and uh, his righteousness and all these things will be added unto You'll you. You'll get a private jet. Yes, you, you get, so, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, you're missing the point. The, the point is the very next verse. Do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. There's plenty of worry in the world without you adding to it. <laughs> so Yeah, it's just important not to look too far ahead, I guess, is what he's talking about there. Okay, so now we're moving in further into chapter 7, and uh, this, is some of, this has been some of my, uh, my favorite verses to study um, in, in this, especially given in the context in yeah. which he's talking, because <laughs> it's real easy to read these verses alone and then think they mean something they, they oh, yeah. totally don't mean. 7-1 is like probably one of the most, one of the verses that's taken the most out of context in the whole Bible. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. You can't judge me because Jesus said not to judge. <laughs> right. But there's like some passage, uh, I think, I forget what gospel it's in, but it says like, don't judge according to hypocritical judgment, but judge instead according to the righteous judgment. Yes. Which is kind of what he's getting at here. And, you know, um, th- there are th- – this is a warning more than a command. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of – so we, we want to treat everything like it's a command straight out. I mean, Jesus said it right here, uh, but not everything he says is a direct command. It, it, is in, it is imperative. He is speaking in imperative tense, but it's – he's being suggestive here, and we know this because of the next verse – so he, when he says, judge not, that you be not judged. Okay, so there's the conditional clause. Yeah. He, he's saying that it's best not to pass judgment because whatever you do to others, that's the same judgment that's going to come back to you. Yeah, and this kind of reminds me of, uh, what is it, the parable of the unforgiving servant? Yes. You know, where yes, very um, good. there's a guy who owed, I think it's like it's like millions of dollars in today's money to this to his master and something, and then he forgives him all of it, and then he goes and chokes his slave because you know <laughs> the slave didn't pay him back like a hundred bucks or something like that. <laughs> right, and throws him in jail. Yeah, and, and that's exactly uh, kind of the point. There, there is some more thought that, that comes into this about judgment. Judgment is a scary thing. You have to be real careful. There's a difference between judging somebody. And reproving or rebuking them, yeah. And so, um, when rebuke is done in love, it won't be perceived as judgment. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard for people to get that uh-huh. because there's a lot of judgmental Christians out there. Yeah. And and we've we've earned that reputation. If you go out and you just ask a non-Christian, what do you think about Christians? The first thing they say uh, is hypocrite, judgmental, judgmental. blah blah blah. <laughs> And we've earned that. That's that's uh, that's real, uh, because we have been judgmental uh, in other things. So, th- so th- there is a a line here where we need to be uh, loving, and even uh, and I think who we're judging is very important. Yeah, here too. And it's important to like keep it in the context of what we've been talking about. You know, the love. Uh, agape love that's been you know throughout chapters five and six. You know if you're if you're doing that with agape love, then it's not going to be seen as judgment. It's not going to be you know that hard on people, and they're going to be actually responsive to it in a positive way. Yeah, and 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 a rebuke 
is more than a statement or, or, or uh, that, can, that can be a study. It could be days of study. It could be weeks of study. I mean, there's all kinds of ways yeah. to reprove somebody without saying, you know what, dude, unless you change, you're going to hell. Yeah. Um, and because what that says to somebody is I'm not going to hell because I got it right and you're going to hell because you got it wrong, which is a judgment. It might mm-hmm. be it might be a truth, but it's still a judgment that you're passing. And so we have to be careful in how we treat people here. Uh, the biggest thing to remember, it, he keeps there is an ice cream truck outside. What in the what? world? <laughs> There's never ice cream trucks in Savoy. That <laughs> what? is so weird. I'm like, where is that music coming from? <laughs> that weird. is crazy. Okay. So anyway, back on te- on topic here. Let me so, run out and get some ice cream real quick. <laughs> So he goes into this whole thing about the speck in the eye and the log in your own eye, or in the King James vernacular, the moat and the beam. Uh-huh. So, um, so the whole point here is it goes back to being hypocritical yeah. and self-righteous. It's talking all about hypocritical judgment because, you know, you can't tell someone, yeah, take the speck out of your eye whenever you have this huge thing in yours and everybody knows it, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and... Here's a just a disclaimer on that though. No one no 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 one really realizes that they've got a beam in their eye. That's true. I mean, it's not it's not like someone's going, "Okay, well, I'm going to pass judgment on this guy even though I got this problem." They're not realizing they have the log in their eye. And mm-hmm. so so it's about self-inspection as well. It's about looking into yourself before you take that step to go condemn somebody. Yeah, pull it out of your eye first. Yeah. Okay, and then here comes a big one. This is a fun one for me. The whole thing about dogs and and pigs. And I don't think he's changing topics, by the way. What's your take on this? Uh, Well, he says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Okay, a lot of people have said what this this verse means is that... um, is that the is that don't don't bring the gospel to people who are going to revile it? That's I hear that a uh, lot, and that's not what it's saying. It's not it, it is not it, that would be completely out of context from what he's saying. He's talking about judgment. So here's here's my take on it: dogs and and pigs. They're like non-believers, right? And right. So yeah, to the Jews, what was the dogs and the pigs are unclean. They're not mm-hmm. part of them. And so they would refer to Gentiles as dogs and and as pigs. So when it says, don't give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before swine, it's talking about things that are valuable to you. So to his audience, what was valuable to them? The law. The law. Right. It's like, don't force the law on non-believers. Exactly. Don't force your Christian morals on non-believers who aren't going to care about it. Correct. Telling a non-Christian that her dress is too short is actually stupid <laughs> because she has a bigger problem than the size of her dress. She needs Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to change, that's not true. the dress size. The dress size may change when the Spirit actually takes hold of her heart. But the first thing that has to happen is she has to, to find Christ. And in their case, talking about the law, is is like you can't bring God's law, which was given to the Jews, to the Gentiles and force them to obey it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why he's talking about judging one another, because you're looking outside and you're seeing people's actions and going, "That's sinful," <laughs> and coming down on them. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of my take on it. I like that. That's pretty good. Okay, so he's back then to the whole ask and it will be given. <laughs> Another one that's taken thing. way out of context. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, it's once again, it's about um, it's about God loving us. Um, and there's a good thing here uh, about relationship. Um, you know, when he talks about giving gifts to your children, and uh-huh. we're God's children, and he's like, you know, how how uh, different would it be? Um, and then then how you treat your own children. And I think that's an important thing to for us to to, to realize. Is um, sometimes we forget God's our Father, we and we treat Him like He's our landlord or something. Yeah, or like He's you know <clears throat> out of our reach almost, not you know not there for us. Yeah. Okay, the golden rule. Whatever you wish 
others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. A um, couple of things there. Uh, one, a lot of people misunderstand this. They think what he's saying is do something to people before they have a chance to do it to you. <laughs> like, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> don't let people mistreat oh, you. Don't let people mistreat you. you know? And that's not what it's saying. Um, he's saying however you want people to treat you, that's, that's how, how you, you need to be them. treating them. And then here's the cool thing. For this is the law and the prophets. Yeah, and that's kind of talking about what we've been going over is how like the love fulfills the law and the prophets. Yeah, once again, not one jot or tittle, not one uh, iota. iota, not one speck is going to be removed from the law. It's still there because this is the underlying factor of the law is this love. And, uh-huh. and so that's why he's saying here that this is what, the, this is what you've already should have known. Is, is this type of, of action that you should love others as you want them to love you. Yeah, this love and this seeking after Christ, you know, that's what we're searching for. That's what we're keeping on knocking for. You know, that's, that's our goal in the Christian life is to seek after God and His love for others. Right. And so here's a cool follow-up to it. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. A lot of people want to take verse 13 and 14 out and read them by themselves, and Uh then they apply it to their own brand of Christianity or whatever. If you're not in our church, then you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, only if, you know, it may just be few. It may just be me and my family because we're the only (laughs) ones doing it right, you know, or whatever. That's, once again, that's being the complete opposite of what Jesus is teaching. Um, The point here is how hard is it to do verse 12? That's the thing. What, uh, what, what does it mean to have a heart yeah. like Christ, one that loves people even when they don't deserve it? Um, that's, a, that's unnatural, and therefore, few people do it, mm-hmm. which means few people are actually getting saved. But few people yeah. are actually understanding it. A few people are actually... Um, Following Christ. Yeah, a few people are willing to walk down that road because it's so hard. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about here. And that's why it follows up from the golden rule is because he's saying, look, it's ta- it takes a huge willingness to love people even though they don't deserve it. And But that is the heart of Christ. And that is what faith in Christ will exemplify. That's the fruit yep. of being a Christian. And because it's so hard, there's going to be a bunch of people who come and try to make it easier but, you know, they're actually ravaging wolves on the inside, like verse 15. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, he goes straight into the whole false prophet thing. Um, and, the, and the whole false prophet thing, that's another um, one that people get wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like this, he's not talking about that guy who disagrees with you on eschatology, <laughs> you know, or whatever pet doctrine that, that you hold. Uh, that's not a false prophet. Oh, he's producing bad fruit. He's not... Teaching right doctrines. Yeah. Or if you're if you're a Calvinist, he's not talking about Arminianism. And if you're an Arminianist, he's not talking about Calvinists. He's, yeah. This is not what he's talking about. A false prophet is someone, listen to what he describes them. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Okay, so what does that mean? It's that, a wolf dressed <laughs> as a sheep, not a sheep that may look like a wolf. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So uh, the, the point is... The guy has evil intentions. A wolf doesn't come to honestly try and serve the shepherd. No, the mm-hmm. wolf comes into the flock because he wants to destroy. Yeah. He wants to eat. He wants to tear things up. And that person you may disagree with on doctrinal issues, he's not really wanting to tear things up. He's, he's wanting to, to, to maybe study or share something that maybe it is wrong, but he's not intentionally trying to tear people up. So we can't, we got to quit labeling, <laughs> yeah, these 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 people as wolves in sheep's clothing or false prophets. And a lot of people want to take the the whole thing about the fruit just by itself too, and not apply it to the you know the false prophets whole portion right before it. Right. Yeah, because he's telling us how we can recognize them. That's what he says in verse. 16. Yeah, it's like you'll recognize them by their fruit, not. Anyone who has, you know, only bad fruit or, you know, I'm probably going to say something heretical here, but. (laughs) (laughs) 
but that's not meant to judge, you know, that's not meant to describe your salvation, those verses. Right. Well, and, and when you stop and look at some someone and watch what they're doing, you can tell if they've got a heart for God and if they're trying from their from, for, to do their best to serve God in the best understanding that they have of it. Uh, it might be a misunderstanding of Scripture. They might have it right and you might have it wrong. They, there's no mm-hmm. telling. But the, but the thing that <clears throat> we have to, rem- to do is we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. Uh-huh. That's how we tell. And so, what is a person's fruit? Well, if you go, well, that person's fruit is they're doing this and that's wrong, That's you're still being judgmental and you're still leaning on your own understanding. Look at the f- actual fruit. Is there love, peace, joy? Those are the fruit of the Spirit, right? From Galatians 6 or Galatians 5. So, if they've got... If you see that, you know the Spirit's involved. You know that this is not a wolf. Provided they are in Christ, you know, because Christ is the only the way, the truth, and the life, you know. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, in, and I also want to make a, a quick note about the word false. Um, oftentimes, we think of that in terms of meaning incorrect. So, they're an incorrect prophet or an incorrect teacher, when we say a false teacher. Yeah. Um False doesn't mean incorrect in this in this context. Um, the, the the word means a liar. False as in disingenuous. Hmm. So a, 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 a false prophet. Well, who's a prophet? A prophet is someone who claims to have a message from God. Yep. He claims to have had direct contact with God and has a message. Mm-hmm. A false prophet then, by definition, would be one who doesn't really have a message from God. They're- they have their own message, and they're claiming it's from God. Exactly. He's lying. Uh, so the false thing is is about the nature of the person. It's not about the nature of their doctrine. So a false teaching is a lie. That's what it's intended to be a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, we want to use. We want to take those words: false prophet, false teacher, heretic, and just slap them on everybody we disagree with. <laughs> and that's you know uh, that's unloving. And and, mm-hmm. and it's unfruitful. Yeah, and some dangerous waters to tread too, as far as like unity with you know others, even if they disagree with you. Right, right. All right. So verse twenty one to twenty three is I never knew you. The whole day of judgment type of thing. This is the one that causes Baptists to get rededicated every <laughs> two years or so. <laughs> Well, I've done all this and I've done all that. They're like, oh no, I never knew you. (laughs) Um, One of the things I I, I look at whenever I I read this is, well, for one, he says, uh, not everyone who says Lord, Lord. So it's not just good enough to call out. Um, There has to be something underneath. Yeah, there has to be something that changes in your heart. Right. So he says... um, He says, one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, uh, let's not get that overly confused with a bunch of, of works of laws. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he's he's talking about the one who will follow Christ, the one yeah. that puts his faith in that and lets the, a faith that produces fruit. Yeah, uh, but it it that is the will of the Father that we that we follow His Son. Um, it, what's the verse? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. You know, so if we are loving God, then we are going to be doing His will. You know, if we're actually born again in Christ, right. So, um, you know, he says, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied your name, cast out demons, and all this. And he says, I declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Okay, so there's a couple of things in his statement back to them that gives us an insight into what's going on. First, I never knew you. Um, Mm -hmm. Christianity is about relationship with, with the Father. It's about relationship with Jesus. It's about... Uh, that's why he's a father. I mean, that is a relationship yeah. term, and uh, so you know, I, I, one one way that uh, a little parable that I, I used to tell about this that I thought was kind of interesting is I used to work at a big corporation uh, called Rockwell Collins, and I worked in the shipping department there. Now every week I had to fill out my time card right and turn it into I can't even remember his name now. I'm going to call him Joe for lack of anything. <laughs> I turned it into Joe in accounting. Okay. Now, Joe would then do whatever accountants do, and I would get a paycheck <laughs> because I turned that in. Okay, so, but the thing is, I didn't work with Joe. I worked with the guys in the shipping department. 
Mm-hmm. And we were like pals and buddies. We would go bowling together. We would go do things together, right, after work. And, and so uh, I'm going to be hypothetical and say, okay, let's say I won tickets to the Super Bowl. I had an extra ticket. Okay. I come in and everybody knows I've got this extra ticket. <laughs> well, my friends will, will all be like wrestling for position, you know. Oh. Hey, hey, take me to the Super Bowl or whatever. Well, what if Joe from accounting Joe shows, shows up and he says, well, look, I've done all kinds of things for you, David. Uh, every single week, I make sure you get a paycheck. Okay, isn't that important? I mean, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you give me the gift? And my point is, Joe, I don't know you. Yeah, you're, I'm not friends with you. you. Right. Yes, you've done these things and 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 et cetera, et cetera, and you're doing stuff for me, but you're not a friend of mine. You're you're not. We don't have a relationship. And I think that yeah. that's a lot of of what's going on here. Is he's saying, look. Is your heart following me? Uh, do we have a relationship together? Because mm-hmm. that's that's what the big kick here is when he says, uh, I, did, I don't know who you are. And notice he says, I never knew you. Not, I used to know you, and now I don't. He says, mm-hmm. I never knew you at all. And a lot of people will get that confused, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, people are just um, false from the get-go. Um, and... And, and he says here, uh, workers of lawlessness. Um, the point is there, the person is, is focused on the wrong thing. He's focused on something other than God's goodness and the things that are the love behind the law. He's, he's focused yeah. on other things. He's pursuing other things besides Christ. Right. So then he finishes up his sermon with the whole build your house on the rock thing. So any, any words on that? Um, it's just a cool, it's just a cool picture of, you know, those who follow Christ and those who don't and like, you know, what eventually happens because it's kind of like a, almost a frightening metaphor here Mm -hmm. because of the whole flood that comes and just wipes it out. Yeah. He's definitely, um, basically same, you know, build, build what, build your life on a firmer foundation. Than, than what the world has to offer. Um, because the world is going to pass away. Flood's always going to wipe. It's always going to come. Yep. The rain's always going to fall. The rivers are always going to rise. You know, the winds are always going to come and blow, blow and pound in your house. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how it kind of ends it with this kind of somber, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And almost it's like a slap in the face to the to the religious people yep. of that of their society because underneath all this sermon is really about humbling yourself uh, declaring yourself unworthy loving one another that's kind of the underbelly of the whole message yeah that's kind of what lays behind all of it is that love and that humility and just serving others really mm-hmm and basically saying, look, you guys should have known this from the beginning. It was all it was it was part of the law. You just didn't get it because you looked at the law as a list of things to do instead of looking at it as someone you needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's the same goes for us. Uh, it's not about specifically what our hands are doing as much as it is about who we are. Are yeah. are we a son of God? You know yeah. or or are we just a faker? Yeah, are we fulfilling the, the law of Christ in our hearts? Are we, are we showing that love to people? Yep. All right, cool. So you got anything else on the sermon before we jump into some news? Um, not a whole lot, lot left besides the crowds were astonished. Surprised they didn't try to stone him afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, this, was, this was early on, so, you know... <laughs> He hadn't got. He made, hadn't made everybody mad at All him. All the yet. Pharisees hadn't caught word and <laughs> started coming to his parties yet. <laughs> yeah. So this was a good day. <laughs> All right. Cool. And now the news. All right. Well, Jeremiah is not here to give us the news, so I am going to try my best. Because <laughs> y'all know I don't have anything. <laughs> well, There's no way. I only had one because I read this message today. I saw this story today, and I thought it was kind of cool. And um, uh, so have you heard of Obviously, you've heard of the movement I Am Second. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Popular movement. Um, 
I like what they do. I don't like their name very much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I'm not second, I'm last. I'm okay. last. That's the way we need to be looking at things. But I see the point. The point is get off the throne. You know, you're not first. You need to not look out for number one. You need to look out for other people. Mm-hmm. And there was this really cool, ironic thing that happened with the I Am Second movement uh, the other day. What was it? Um, well, did you know that Lecrae, uh, the rapper, um, the soul surfer Bethany Hamilton, and musician Brian Held Welch now live amongst the homeless in Nashville, Tennessee? Do they really? In a way. <laughs> okay, I was about to be like, what? I was wondering how Lecrae would be dropping his new album from there. <laughs> so, okay. Um, well, it, for those of you who aren't familiar with the I Am Second movement, uh, what it is is it about is it, it's about bringing witness, witnesses, it's about bringing uh, testimonies to light. Yeah. And showing people uh, conversions and saying, look, I learned... In some at, at some point in my life that I'm not first, that I had to put mm-hmm. someone second, and, and or that I had to put myself second at least. Yeah, it's basically a bunch of testimonies yeah. of like celebrities and stuff like that. And, and so there are a lot of of larger name people that that take pl- part in it. So it's like having spokesmen, right? I mean, it's yeah. like uh, you know, you know, Colt McCoy actually is a Christian. <laughs> I didn't, you know, well. Most everybody knows that. But anyway, it's like you see somebody that you know and recognize from sports or TV or whatever, and you hear their testimony. One of the big ones is Brian Hid Welch, who was uh, the guitarist for Corn. Corn, yeah, I saw that one. And he's got a powerful testimony, and he's actually um, doing some really amazing things. But he's not your conventional Christian. I mean, no. people, uh, a lot of dyed-in-the-wool, born-and-raised Christians would not have anything to do with the guy. But anyway, yeah. uh, so you've got – he's taken part of this. Lecrae has taken part of it. And Bethany Hamilton, they've all taken part of this. And so part of their advertisements were to put their pictures on these large banners, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were doing a, uh, a I Am Second run in Nashville. And one of the, I'm reading here from their, their website. It says, one of the elements we place along the run route – are uh, apparently this was some little marathon or race type of thing. Along the run route are large vinyl banners of our I Am Second personalities. So the day before the race, we decided to hang our banners of Lecrae, Bethany Hamilton, and Brian Head Welch along Woodlawn Bridge in downtown Nashville. Little did we know that this would be the last time we'd ever see those banners. Okay, so the <laughs> banners got stolen, and everyone freaked out. It's like, well, I hope that they at least read the message on the banner, you know. <laughs> Were homeless people using it for, like, tents Exactly. <laughs> so that's what really happened is there was a homeless population under that bridge. And so what happened was the banners came down and became shelters. Wow. And so the irony in this was, was pretty cool. Um, is that uh, what they were trying to promote actually happened in real time with their promotional material. That's really cool. Um, and so it says, um, the injustice wasn't that our banners were taken. The real injustice is that there are those who are under that bridge right now who are convinced that their best hope for shelter is an I Am Second banner with a Lecrae's face on it. Uh, that hit me, and it made me realize wow. that we can do better and should do better. Um, and and of course, the the whole point was was that uh, their message isn't just a message; it has a real life application. And they saw it happen right there in their in their advertisements. That's really cool. I wonder if that'll make them like start actually doing more outreach type stuff because that'd be really interesting. Yeah, because well, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. The last paragraph or the last sentence here in their um, in their article says, "Yes, we lost something that cost us money, but at the end of the day, those banners are going to much better use." Let's face it: when you have nothing, something can seem like everything. Wow. So, sounds like there was a good lesson uh, even learned by the people who are who are prom- promoting the I am second stuff. Yeah, because. I'm not really entirely sure what they use the profits on for their store. I'm sure it goes to like, you know, they're, you know, spreading the gospel somehow in their organization, but yeah, I didn't I, really, <clears throat> I didn't really think they did actual like direct outreach to like homeless people or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know what they do, honestly, <laughs> except for the testimonies mm-hmm. and, and which is 
which is a good marketing thing. I mean, I understand, I, I've enjoyed the, the, the videos. But uh, anyway, I just thought it was a really cool story uh, that uh, that came out. That was uh, May 3rd, so just a couple of days ago. That's cool. So, yeah, awesome. So anyway, that was the that only it? news that I got. So um, I have got a script here somewhere. Hang on a second. Let me find it. You know, I'm always this prepared. <laughs> okay, so here's your script. Okay. You just need to read the portion that has J-O next to it. Okay. Okay? So here we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Worship Show. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.thetheonautspodcast.com. You know, I think you do that better than Jeremiah. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher and don't forget to leave us comments and rate us that as that helps our show and reach a larger reach a larger audience well, you I, spoke way too I soon i take that back you're horrible <laughs> <laughs> the pressure was on <laughs> tweet to us on twitter at uh using at theonautical like us on facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of god's word with us all right thanks for being here jack it's been a privilege awesome all right. God bless. It's been real. <laughs> this has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. This is your great commission transmission.